You have a vague memory of the Pod Boys. But is this memory real? Are you real? Is anything real? I don't know. I'm Mr. Balls. Reefer Sutherland. (laughs) I'm Mr. Teeth. My brain is fully in the lament configuration right now. No, Ben, I'm Mr. Tease. <laughs> yep, good point. Hi, y'all. I'm Mr. F. <laughs> and I have noir idea what's going on. I'll press F to pay respects to that joke. Good one, good one. Well, guys, we have quarantine brain. Yes. Well, no, we do we, actually we should have. Talk we a have little cabin bit, fever. We should sure. talk a little bit about this before we go on. We had several, you know, upcoming theater movies planned. We sure oh, yes. did. That's not happening. Nope. <laughs> Likely anytime soon. Nope. Uh, I know some are coming directly to VOD, which is cool. We can still cover some of them. Yep. <laughs> but uh, definitely won't be box office. No. Yeah, this might change the face of our predictions game for the rest of the year yeah uh probably not going to be much box office for the rest of 2020 yeah this is this is a little uh piece of history y'all get to watch us as we slowly develop more cabin fever (laughs) from each podcast to the next (laughs) yeah well it's gonna it's gonna get crazy we're uh we're only a week into quarantine and we're already losing our collective minds Well, this week, uh, as you probably heard in our last episode, was supposed to be A Quiet Place 2. Uh, The coronavirus saw to that. uh, That movie's not going to be coming out anytime soon. (laughs) So instead, we had to pivot. And uh, this week was Cleveland's pick. And you chose a film that none of us have seen before, despite the fact that it's 22 years old. Uh, We're going to be talking tonight about 1998's Dark City, directed by Alex Proyas and starring Rufus Sewell, Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Connelly, and William Hurt, about a man who struggles with memories of his past, which includes a wife he cannot remember, and a nightmarish world without a son. Cleveland, this is your pick. Tell us a little bit about why you chose Dark City and just give us a little bit of an overview. Well, uh, exactly like my last pick. The Giver. <laughs> lest we forget. <laughs> I won't anytime soon. Um, uh, just like my last pick, this was a film that I saw the trailer for when I was in high school, like ages ago. And it's just always clung to the back of my brain. And I've occasionally heard it referenced and have always wanted to see because from just from the trailer it seemed like everything i aesthetically love big spooky gothic towers it's all very gotham-esque it's all very batman neo-noir exactly and that's my jam i i I love new noir i love noir i love cyber noir i love if it's if it's noir i'm a fan i was pretty keen on this film but i was a little concerned considering how budgeted this film seemed for when it was made and that I hadn't really heard of it. That can sometimes be a bad sign. You know, it's generally intrigued and I thought, why not? Let's pick it. Let's let's see how it is. I enjoy covering films on the podcast that none of us have seen before. It's it's you know same, you know, especially especially older films. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a nice collective uh, exploration. Yeah, definitely with older films because we can kind of 
pick out what fingerprints this movie has on other films and vice versa, and that's always a treat. Man, this thing is covered in fingerprints yeah. and left lots of fingerprints. Yes. Collective memory, which feels very <laughs> fitting <laughs> very for appropriate. this film. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I'm really glad you picked this one. I've been wanting to watch it for a long time as well and had just never gotten around to it. It is weird how much it feels like this movie influenced like a bajillion other films that came after it, despite the fact that this movie is very much like a cult classic. I don't think it's really talked about all that much. Mm -mm. I, for one really enjoyed it same i, I it loved it good. i yeah, thought it was pretty good fucking there, blast there were a couple <laughs> things where i had reservations and uh there's certainly some dated effects to say the oh least. but that's so but, much of the fun for me which is probably very, why it didn't do well at the time i don't know like, it's very weird and it didn't, and gets uh, extremely hokey but it's like it's really it's hokey in the ways that I enjoy. I think that the the stuff that is has not aged well and maybe was never good to begin with is part of the charm for me. I think it definitely adds to the fun of the movie. My only major gripe, and I would just want to get this out of the way now, is the first like thirty to forty minutes is a little slow to get started. Oh, interesting. I actually um, really liked the beginning. Uh, but uh, once once it kicked into gear, it really kicked in the gear oh my god i was i was completely on board well it's funny how you mentioned like this felt like it influenced so many movies after the fact and i feel like on the flip side it's also very directly very. referential to a lot to of things that came before other it. movies whether it's blade runner or uh seven seven or brazil or uh, hellraiser Yes, Hellraiser, definitely. Wow, Hellraiser. Metropolis, as you pointed out while we were watching Cleveland, mm -hmm. I definitely see the comparison. The miniatures, the giant heads, you know. I mean, the... it is, yeah, it's a it's a noir film, and noir is uh, a direct uh, link to German expressionism, and I think that this movie goes back to a lot of those roots, which Metropolis is a, a famous German mm -hmm. expressionist film. But, you know, you can even see, uh, I saw parallels to, like, other Fritz Lang films, uh, specifically, like M yeah, and uh, even some Ministry of Fear stuff, you know, crazy conspiracy theories. Like, this goes way farther than Ministry of Fear does. Way. But I, I think it. Way. Uh, <laughs> I think it has uh, some of the same uh, themes of, of paranoia. Uh, I mean, well, a lot of themes of paranoia. This movie is really weird. It's almost like a nexus of, of like references because you can see all of the things that it's directly quoting, but then out the other side, you see all of these films that have come after it that are very heavily influenced by it, primarily The Matrix. The Matrix feels like a ripoff. The Matrix does feel like and a ripoff the, after watching this. And the thing about The Matrix is like the Wachowskis in interviews have always referred to it as their attempt to make a live action ghost in the shell. And I would say this film is way more comparable. Dark City is more like The Matrix than Ghost in the Shell is. Yeah. As our uh, friend Jalisa pointed out too while we were watching the film that like the entire arc of this film feels like the first act of The Matrix. And also the last act as well like in that final It's like scene. it skips over the middle part of The yeah. Matrix. <laughs> I, I, I think for, for benefit. I mean yeah I don't 
think the Matrix has aged particularly well. That's yeah. a that's a different discussion. But even the wire out, works fun. Even yeah. outside of the Matrix, I guess five years after this movie, Saw, I think Saw pulls a lot of stuff yeah. from this movie, especially in terms of the aesthetic. You also mentioned Inception, and I think that there's a little bit of that in there as oh, yeah. well. Big churning buildings, it's all dreamlike. In terms of style, I, I saw a lot of oddly like French expressionist movies like uh, Amelie or City of Lost Children. Oh, yeah, or that's actually a good point. Uh, those came out like couple years before this movie and one of the things i really was impressed by uh beyond just the excellent production design was how colorful the movie was yeah you know you get these splashes of really vibrant colors from the get-go i was really impressed by that i was expecting something more gray and monochromatic and drab especially uh after uh knowing that this director alex proyas uh, before this, he had done The Crow, mm-hmm. which I really like, but it is kind of a drab movie at times. Well, I think I think what's you, you bring up a really great point that this film is very colorful, but it still feels necessarily bleak, and I think it's because that they they're really consistent with their color palette. Mm-hmm. It's extremely colorful, but it still feels kind of it's not drab but monochromatic almost there's lots of greens and blues and oranges and stuff in almost blade runner fashion yeah uh that's a big one i think that needs to be brought up as well yeah uh, especially with like the sure. large practical backdrops of the cities via miniatures and uh the miniatures the, the, the use of, of fog and neon it's uh they're they're lovely i i absolutely adored them uh, another uh, important reference, I, I mentioned Gotham a second ago, but very specifically like the Batman original animated series. I'm a big fan of that style of like uh, impossible gothic architecture. This movie just oozes style. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, that of all of these works that it has influenced and it has been influenced by are generally more known and successful. Well, I um, think this I don't is know a pretty how well, this well movie recognized did. cult classic. If I remember correctly, Roger Ebert only did like five commentary tracks while he was live, and this was one, one of them. them. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that, actually. Um, awesome. And Good. it was really well critically acclaimed at the time. I don't know how successful box office-wise it mm. was. You know, I I assume it wasn't like insane or yeah. anything because i get the vibe again with with no research at all uh that it's fallen out of memory that it's not that well known um it could just be that i didn't know it very well and i'm projecting but i mean i think you're i think you're right i don't think it's talked about in the same broad circles as stuff like the matrix which in many ways does feel like it's ripping this movie yeah. off it came out a year after dark right. city and that's the point that i wanted to lead into that the things that Influence this film and that were influenced by this film are generally more known, remembered, yeah. broadly circulated than this one because they stick to singular facets of this film and not all of this movie. Because this, there's a lot of movie here. <laughs> there are a, a lot, lot of things movies, happening yes. in this movie. A lot of ideas and a lot of exposition. What I will say is generally the exposition is done with a ticking clock or there's something unique and fun about it. 
Uh, so I never really was too bothered by like the the exhibition being thrown at you because at least like someone was running yeah. or something was some there was something else going on in the scene that enriched it. It's surreal enough that I don't mind certain things being explained to me because I think they'd be completely incomprehensible otherwise. And this is a movie where certain things should be ambiguous but definitely not all of it yeah like yeah, some I stuff agree. i think does need to be absolutely explained we should mention that we watched the director's cut yes which, which came out in 2008 about 13 minutes longer if i remember correctly. and i was and i was reading that the theatrical cut had some pretty heavy studio oversight at the end of production saying that it was too confusing. And so similar to the original cut of Blade Runner, they demanded voiceover narration. I don't know by which character, but they said people are not going to understand this, so we need to make things more explicit. And this version we watched came out 10 years later and is Alex Proyas's original vision. We obviously haven't seen the theatrical cut, but this feels like a complete artistic vision to me. Yeah. I must wonder. I was left with very few questions. Scattered, tonally scattered at times, and certainly convoluted. Yes, um, but like it. it it feels, With intent, at least. Yeah, it feels like the, it, it feels like everything has intent behind it. I think that Alex Proyas probably could have cut some of his ideas. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I or at least think, I think slowed them down. The thing for me is, like, it definitely is way convoluted. And, like, I think part of the reason I wasn't completely on board for the first, like, 30, 40 minutes is there's not that clarity of ideas until everything kind of clicks into place. Yeah, it in uh, Eastern fashion, very anime-esque, you are just thrown into this world. And so you have very little, like, uh, attachment to anything. So the, the, the weird, like, terms people are using, all the strange little events mean nothing. So they all feel extremely surreal because there's no context for anything. There's no title crawl or anything Western to give us a, uh, like, a sense of, of foundation. That's why they did a voiceover at the intro- during the introduction and the theatrical cut. Honestly, though, like, the way this cut works, like, it felt right to me because it felt very noir. It starts with a mystery, and the pieces do not fit because you don't have enough of them. This one takes that to the extreme because it's introducing, like, weird supernatural sci-fi elements, but it still feels, as a noir narrative, it feels consistent with that idea. It's like, I have no fucking idea what's going on, and neither does my protagonist, and all of this shit is weird and confusing. Yeah, it's like... Like '90s anime Philip K. Dick. This is a. It's a, such a weird one. Probably the weirdest the, the movie we've watched since *Skyver*. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, 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 Thanks, Cleveland. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, the aesthetic uh, comparisons aren't where it stops. When I bring up *Blade Runner*, uh, also the the idea of false memories, of you know uh, not knowing exactly who or what you are and what you can believe is real, which. 
Uh, definitely, I think about probably up till that same point in the film that you were concerned with the movie, Ben. Uh, I think I think I said at one point like the ending of this movie could be very annoying. Like it, it has the potential to be extremely mm-hmm. frustrating because you get to the point where you're thinking like, is it all in his head? Is he sleeping? Is you know is it one of those? And Thankfully, they decided to take it in a weirder direction <laughs> and just let it be weird. Yeah, they're not all dead. Like in no bullshit like that. I like, mean, it's it's. Thank you. <laughs> I think in many ways it's way dumber than that. Yes, but somehow, <laughs> but like really, really fun. Like dumb in like the greatest yeah, way. Well, dumb is, in a way that they they still like dumb with intent. Yeah, they commit like, to it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and bless them for it. That's that's all I could ever ask for. And part of that is also just like the age of the film. A lot of the the stuff that makes the ending particularly hokey is like very bad CG. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if it would have seemed as dumb in if you'd watch this movie in theaters back in 98. Mm-hmm. But I think that this movie has aged like cheese. Yes. <laughs> yes like, well said. It's still it's still it's still good. But man, is it a lot stronger <laughs> is, the, is the flavor yeah, a lot stronger it's, it and sharper. A, yeah it's a very french cheese this movie like yeah, it's, it, it's, it's strong it is punchy <laughs> uh, but like it's it's got a, a a tang to it that like a lot of people won't like uh and i love <laughs> what i what i will say though uh in in terms of like pacing the weird stuff i think that it actually paces some of that pretty well because like i found myself taking the film a lot more seriously in the first act and then they started to introduce like things that had us giggling like that's really <laughs> silly and then by the end when we were straight up like cackling in tears yeah that was rolling. it felt like it felt like it worked me there instead of just flipping a switch. <laughs> yeah, you know no, I mean? that's definitely oh, yeah. true. I almost feel like it could have been a little slower in that respect. Oh, I don't know. It up. The I won't get into it because we haven't we haven't really talked about the plot yet. But that uh, we'll get back to the 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 billboard scene. Well, that that t- that was so Ooh, much. That, was that scene funny, was yeah. was just rapid fire nonsense. I loved it, uh, but. This movie is pretty convoluted, and the details are not particularly important. Necessary, yeah. I, so I, I don't feel I don't feel the need to like try to walk through the plot because I think that that is almost doing the movie a disservice. Unless you want to try to explain yeah. the plot, because um, I think well, that could in be two, funny. in two minutes or less. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I mean, uh, bullet points, uh, broad, broad, the broadest strokes. Uh, uh, I'll start with another influence, which actually came out almost exactly the same time, which is Cube. I'd consider this a Cube film. Also, like, it, it fits within the genre of person wake up, not know what do, what happen, find out what, what do, how world do, and and, and go. And that's that's what do with, with movie. Uh, it's just, it's a lot weirder than, than Cube Room. It's... Way cube, weirder. Cube City, even. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean that's that's the essential of it, and everything else we've said uh, about it being noir esque, yeah, breaks it down. Kiefer Sutherland is shouting things at him, and he only has twenty four hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think Jennifer Connelly. Uh, uh, there you go. It's necessary for your protagonist to have amnesia in a film like this because, like, you as the viewer have a lot to learn about this world. Yeah, could you imagine if it started with the detective? 
Yeah, I know. No, uh, thank you. Yeah, that'd be awful. <laughs> like, like yeah, if, if you you had a protagonist who knew what was going on in this world, like, oh, absolutely not. It's like, yeah, I he doesn't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. But I actually really like the sort of disorientation in the beginning of the film. Oh, definitely. Because like you're so like desperately trying to ground yourself and trying to figure out like what era this is set in, whether this is supposed to be real reality or something beyond and considering like what we find out is actually the case i think that that's like the way to do it agreed yeah agreed. I, I think that i, I almost I like that genre i always feel like, a lot of people consider it a cop-out yeah to have your your protagonist like wake up with no memory it's uh, very video gamey yes and yeah. it's felt uh, like felt like a uh, uh, bioshock yeah. and the it, first bioshock for a lot of this movie indeed to me. and it can be utilized as a cheap trick just to immediately gain a sense of relationship between the the protagonist and the audience because they too understand nothing about what's going on in this weird world i rarely have a problem with it i i tend to enjoy like well, just, films i just feel like american films especially hardly do this kind of shit anymore where they just plop you down in a strange unreality with no explanation yeah, i think i think that like hand fed so much of it does indeed have to be like spoon fed to you and I know this was more common back when this film came out, but like I respect the balls to do that. Yeah. To yeah. just say, like, this is not the reality that you know, and you're just gonna deal with it. Yeah. And like figure it out. <laughs> right. I, I really I really respect that. But yeah, the, the protagonist, John Murdoch, uh, wakes up in a bathtub, <clears throat> saw, uh, <laughs> with no memory of how he got there, <clears throat> saw. Uh, and uh finds and gets a call. <laughs> And gets, and, gets, uh, and gets a, a phone call well. from a mysterious stranger, <coughs> Saw, and uh, there's a body that has uh, spirals drawn all over it, <coughs> Saw. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, yeah, so essentially just kind of like has to try to put back together his memory. Uh, also, we didn't uh, mention Memento, but oh, there's, oh yes, uh, yeah. I, thank you. I was just big, say. big Memento vibes in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he discovers that the the city that he is in is uh, uh, abides by much stranger laws than one would expect. Man, okay, I, I have another good metaphor for this film. This movie is a hodgepodge. Lego set movie of all the Lego sets that I love. Yeah. Like, yeah it's, totally. a, it's a I weird Lego that. set castle and it's got like the sci-fi bits. It's got the the weird like uh, castle bits. It's got all of, all of my favorite little Lego sets just cobbled into this mess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much a, a nexus. Like you it's said. like it is a mess, but it's I would oh, consider fun I would consider it a beautiful mess. Oh, it's, yeah, it's glorious. Yeah, the kind of shit in this movie that would frustrate the piss out of me in other movies, I found charming and delightful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's a mess of like a million different ideas at once, but it all comes together, especially in the third act, so well yeah. that I can't help but respect it. As convoluted as it is, it has a lot of extremely cool concepts. Oh, if this movie was done now, oh, I'd love that. You know, I think this movie would be good, like, 
TV show material. Oh, HBO, pick it like, up. Like an HBO, yes. like an HBO dark, maybe oh. like a limited series, like one season. Oh, I mean, speaking of comparisons, uh, just, just spread it, Just spread it out a little Very, bit. yeah. Like, Westworld is a good comparison oh, too. Yeah. I and I know like if you uh you who is listening uh haven't seen this movie uh and you've made it this far are a, a little put off by us just being like, oh it's like this and oh it's like this watch it's, it. It's really like that. It is it, it is like very that. much like, <laughs> like I'm I I generally like prefer to just pick a, a a comparison or two but you just can't with this movie. It's impossible. It's well, so many movies. So, yeah, so much <laughs> but, stuff going on. I think and that's actually I a great segue into some of this more conceptual stuff. You mentioned earlier, Ben, that it is sort of a, an amalgamation of like a collective consciousness and thematically that is extremely appropriate mm-hmm. for the film. Uh, somehow we've managed to avoid major spoilers up till this point, so... We've been doing this for a while. Spoil. I mean, spoilers from this point out for... A, a, somehow I didn't have a 22-year-old movie spoiled for me, so yeah, I think that no, goes to show what a cult classic it actually is but we find out eventually in the movie that the villains these weird uh bald cenobite psychic vampire things the they call the strangers are essentially an alien race that has abducted a bunch of humans to study what makes us individuals because they are a collective conscious and want to be individual so they've fabricated this massive city in space that uh, they change every night at midnight and swap memories and stuff around so everybody who lives in the city has lived many many lives and uh, and they the the strangers change the the architecture and the nature of reality with their wills it's like every Star Trek episode all of them <laughs> all of them. <laughs> There's a particular I, moment I where even, it I feels won't, I won't, we'll extremely be Star Trek, where uh, you know they see the the Shell Island mural, and uh, they they break it open. Oh yeah, it's just space, space on the other side, the, the void, the final frontier. To, to me, that just screamed Star Trek. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say like that's very Twilight Zone. Like, uh, just that, like, they're not where they think they are. There are strange things controlling stuff. But, no, uh, actually, you know what, though? Like, the the first episode of the original series does have, like, aliens that are manipulating, like, their their reality for uh, Commander Pike. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, that that shifting effect that was very popular in the 90s where everything kind of, like, warps and gets morphy. Uh, they they love that. This was definitely like a time like a, capsule like a of a very time. particular moment in special effects. Yes, they show off everything they had in the in the book. I like, mean, we for can that time. we can we can go back to like the Matrix comparison too. It's like the Matrix came out a year after this movie, and even oh, some only? of yeah, a year only a year later. Oh. Even some of, like, the CG effects right, are yeah. almost identical to stuff in this mm-hmm. movie. And wow. just, like, the whole the whole concept of the Matrix is, like, living in a manufactured reality and being I, studied and used by something alien and other. It's like, the Matrix just fucking ripped off Dark City. I won't, yeah. I mean, if it only came out 
a year before. I don't know what the production pipeline of The Matrix was like and how long it Why, was. But. Here's here's the reason that I'm more I become more and more certain that this movie did or that The Matrix did rip off this movie is because I don't think the Wachowskis are actually good filmmakers. Well, I mean, all of the films that I certainly like enjoy of theirs are adaptations of other writers work except for uh i i actually do like what was the netflix one uh oh their show sensei sensei i i I never i never watched watched sensei Um, but i do not like the wachowskis i do not think the matrix has aged particularly well that's common i think the things that i think the things that are still good about the matrix and that were good about the matrix you can draw a direct line back to something in dark city sure what i what i like about dark city is that like it takes that core concept and makes it feel truly alien in many ways and i love the idea of this world being a massive shifting experiment because the aliens are literally trying to find the human soul because being part of a collective is so nightmarish and which is an idea that i love yeah. it's like it's almost like the inverse of invasion of the body snatchers where they're not trying to make people part of the collective they're trying to figure out how to separate themselves yeah. from the collective uh, i like i like invasion of the body snatchers uh because like they're they're all they're actually like taking on their flesh as well they use their corpses to to puppet around uh as we find out that's what the, all the mr whatever's are and uh yeah, I, they all have mr was, something as their name yeah, i i in obnoxious fashion was going to use the borg as a comparison and say it's it's like the borg if they had the exact opposite agenda um rather well. than assimilate they want to de-assimilate yeah. And de- de- dis- dissimulate. That's a word. Dissimulate. It is now. I think it is. I'm pretty if sure it, wasn't it is. Before. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a word. That's what matters. They're obsessed with identity. Yeah, they, they want to find the opposite. And they, I like that. The sort of like sub story is like uh, William Hurt as this detective, like trying to track this serial killer who they believe is John Murdoch. And we find out is because the strangers have imprinted the identity of a serial killer upon him to see if with that identity he will stay true to that nature or his own and whether he will kill on his own which i think is a really cool idea and we see that he does not that he despite the fact that they have made him a killer that he is not inherently a killer and i think that like as an experiment to try to find out like what makes an individual i think that concept is extremely cool and also like for as convoluted as everything is you can boil it all down to it's an alien abduction yeah totally like it's just these are all people who are just plucked off of earth and put in an experiment by and you can't and you can't place the era because the strangers even say that they have constructed the world as an amalgamation of of many eras mm-hmm. and they're constantly tweaking and changing yeah. like uh you know like kids of the play set and I, I i love that like that's that's super fun the strangers are hokey in the best way but also very cool yeah. i uh, really i really like their their underground uh uh senate room where they perform 
form the, oh, that's two, new favorite with the, the tuning with the giant you know head yeah. as yeah. kind of the centerpiece so it's, metropolis it's so much fun. the giant face that opens and reveals a massive clock that <laughs> stops puts everybody to sleep at midnight so they can rearrange the world and implant new memories in people thought that was very cool oh it's great and they're all they're all like lined up and there's just like rows upon rows they of look, them they all look like pinhead they're mm-hmm. all bald and pale and, and chatterer because they do the teeth yeah they they do the they do the teeth chattering thing uh i uh i call them the the senate bites because they're all gathered you know yeah it's no I, it's true <laughs> like they 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 do uh sort of have that uh that like republic sort of vibe to them <laughs> i mean which makes sense they're a collective consciousness mm-hmm. they're all named mr some kind of object their leader is even oh this is really a leader because they're a collective consciousness but mr book and the main villain we see mr hand uh who he's really great i yeah. really like mr hand it's amazing out of all those uh like mr Wall. pale actors dressed in black like how much he stands out just from his smile and just like his general performance like, it's, I, it's awesome for like, a little while i did think he was brad duriff and t- until i looked it up and saw that he was not brad duriff but uh he has kind of a similar vibe he does um, it's a very unique look. Yeah, I like that they have the the the, the child one too, Mister Sleep. Oh yeah, uh, who just likes to bite things <laughs> inexplicably. I, I like that they they made it that uh, he was the one who set up the murder. I will say um, one of the things that I don't think works, and this is largely because of because this is largely one uh, uh, on the effects. I wish we did not know, like, the true nature of the strangers, that they're just, like, uh, brain squids, psychic brain squid, because that, oh, yeah, ter- uh, that effect is terrible. Yeah, we're, we're back to uh, the uh, previously the aforementioned billboard scene. Well, yeah, where where uh, John first confronts them and learns that he has the the ability to tune. Yeah, that that scene had all of the shouting, uh, in in the best ways. It's just rapid fire, crazy. We we see like the tuning ability stuff for nearly the first time. We see what the strangers are with the weird glowy aliens in their heads. Yeah, they buzz, we, bust one of their we, heads open. We have the billboard and... like hand coming down, uh, which uh, Ben called or very funny. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we were, we were kind of like taking bets on it. It's like, oh, no, they cut back to it. It's definitely going to happen. And then <laughs> sure enough, so many wacky things in that just that one very short sequence. It's very anime flashes very. of anime. I really I really like that sequence. But like my, my big point is like I would be fine just knowing that uh, as they tell us in the movie, we use your dead as hosts. That would have been way spookier without it. I agree. Without like without actually because because in that scene, that's relatively early in the movie too. Too. Like within the first thirty minutes, mm-hmm. where the the build the hand of the figure on the billboard swings down and busts open one of their heads, and like a a, a gelatinous uh, mind squid comes yeah. out, and it looks it looks terrible. The, it does. The splatter effects look fun. I do like the weird like black goo that oh, explodes yeah. when they like whenever they get detonated or squished. Sure. Um. But uh, no, the the yeah. CG. Bad. And I almost feel like that overplays its hand a little bit. Agreed. Um, you Definitely. know, it kind of removes some of that ambiguity. And like I was saying at the beginning, it, it goes into my problem with the first act a little bit. 
in that it's a little much until it all clicks together. And I think that's a great example of it, where it goes too crazy at the beginning, where they could have pulled that back a little bit. It's not hard to to be a bit more restrained. Yeah, to to write it off at that moment. Like, it's it's not hard to do that for sure. I I would have been more okay with it if it came up in, like, the third act, for example. Honestly, even the second act, I think I would have been okay with, because at that point, we already have them, like, uh, cartoonishly like floating, floating yeah. around the city, oh, which was it. hilarious. But I love, I loved. It. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I thought it was absolutely great. So like much like, like beautiful GIF material. If, like if at oh that if at that point they had wanted to show me the bad CG mind squid, then. I would have been a little no, bit more I, accepting. I, I, really, I mean, I still I really think, I still like think it should be what you're out. saying about it. It should, it should just still be not out. be there. Yeah. Like, cause, cause like the, that bit of like, you know, we use your dad and stuff, I think would have been a lot spookier if I hadn't already seen the CG. Right. You know, like it's the, like, okay, what you, we use your dad as hosts, but what are we like? Mm-hmm. I think, and they, and they tell us, it was like, uh, like imagine the horror to, to have no individuality, to share all of your memories with all of the rest of your kind, all, the time yeah like, and, like, that's, like that's what death looks like for you is like, your I, I almost being feel like around in by one some of ways things. it's more lovecraftian to not show it absolutely that absolutely horror beyond understanding i would say that's one of the only like big examples of overplaying their hands something i think that could have been done much less cornly Talking about words that don't exist. Uh, Cornley. Cornley. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jennifer Cornley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it, it, something I think that could have been way less corny is the final fight scene between the two the mind fight at is, that point though i was all wow. in for it it's yeah, so bad yeah. you know you didn't watch this one with us cleveland because it was before you were on the show but you know what that reminded me of then the end of fear.com.com you're so right <laughs> yeah though. you're so right <laughs> yeah but, but i i was i liked this way more in, yeah. <laughs> in this one fear.com remains for me the worst film we've ever watched for this show glad i I wasn't there yeah yeah i would agree i can't I, think of I, <laughs> I cannot think of a worse film to this day it gave me the same kind of vibes with like the bad cg and just like the general stupidity of it but it's like so strangely the film prepared me for that in a way that i was totally on board by the time it happened it's weird it's almost like the film conditions you to be ready for that nonsense because <laughs> nonsense i, it I is. feel conditioned i feel very conditioned after watching this yeah well uh, it's an escalation throughout the movie to the point where it's way easier to buy into that in comic book form uh to i think this this would work well graphic novel form or like written uh without without the visuals because uh, it, it's so like, yeah. nebulous uh uh i, I bring that up largely because uh like how, how gaiman-esque the, this is as well yeah sure um it's all very dreamlike so. it's all mysterious big clocks 
Oh yeah, I think if you're gonna do a fucking uh, like edgy. psychic in mind the fight, there's many ways to do that. Uh, cooler than oh yeah, a, a good example the, is like the way like they did in Dream this movie. and Satan in uh in Sandman. There are some very cool ways to to do that, and uh, even uh, I hate saying it, but. Like the, the Dormammu fight in Doctor Strange, like like there are there are ways to make that cooler. But again, modern with like modern well, yeah, tech. I'm I'm talking I'm talking about with like less of, time, less yeah. effects because I think what makes the shit so bad and so like funny is how terrible the effects well, are. It's literally like warpy mind lasers. Like yeah, it's, in, it's, instead it's of like the them bullet. using their brains it's and their the, consciousnesses yeah. to war against each other, they're literally going wee 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 and like dilating like circular ghost pattern it's, it's is coming the, out of their heads it's, it's the so bullet like it's, 19, the, it's like 1950s cheesy stuff it's the slow motion bullet effect from the matrix yeah. but just coming out of their their heads like it really it, it, it didn't have that sound to it but it might as well have well no it had it had a worse sound it had uh if you noticed every time john uses the tuning it makes like a shiny sparkly sound like if you opened a chest in a video game and it's got gold inside. Yeah. That's the sound it made yeah. every time. Almost like a like a tuning fork, I think. No, no. was what they were maybe going for. They did not succeed in that. It was get there. it was like a cartoon sound of like shiny, sparkly gems. Mm-hmm. That was the sound it made every time they used yeah. their psychic powers. So like that is a big. Big old part of it, <laughs> but uh, it's like they they almost do like a Harry Potter thing where it's like just these two these two people just like throwing energy at each other and just like pushing a big ball of force back and forth. Uh, but then they levitate up into the sky, which looks e- way worse. Yeah, somehow. very and very Neo and um, Agent Smith. Damn, it's almost like The Matrix came out after this movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we could do that. Uh, Gripes. I have one gripe. It's the last scene. I love how the film ends generally. They don't get back to Earth. He gains his godlike powers, and now the monkeys are running the circus. He just just recreates the world into a a nicer vision. (laughs) The sun comes up for once. Yeah, people people now have the machine. They have the god controls. That's fine and dandy. What I do not think is fine and dandy is how he sets it all up and then, like, like in a simulator, like roller coaster tycoon situation, like just kind of like plucks up Jennifer Connelly and like puts her at the end of the pier and then walks out and fakes it. Like, so he can go fall in love with her all over yeah, again. And it's like, that's cool and all, but also like the, you just removed all agency from that equation. That's weird. Tell her you're God. Like she has a right to know. Like She wouldn't believe that would shatter her fucking sanity. If you're like, by the way, I am now the God of this world. It's not what you think it is. I I created this scenario. That would shatter her brain. She'd it just be like, it would, would shatter I mean, for a minute, but then he could show her and he could explain it. Okay. And like, it would still like, shatter your His sanity. brain isn't shattered. He's good. He's God now. Because he did it. He's the one who did it. 
it. Yeah, but he was and just he a person thought, to begin with. That should have shattered his brain. By the like, he 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 didn't just do it to begin with. He was just a normal Earth. No, person. but he's not just a normal Earth person. <laughs> he's the ed, he's the advancement of evolution. That's why he had the he was ability able to do it. He had the ability. He's to the chosen tune. one. Yeah. Why? Yeah, he's he's Neo. Yeah. That's why he didn't <laughs> fall asleep during the tuning every night. That's why he has these abilities, and that the stranger's abilities don't affect him in the yeah. same way. I just I just don't like that he he basically I mean, turned Jennifer Connelly into a Barbie doll puppet. It's a little weird. I mean, sure, we can go into we could go at length into the morality of what a human would do with God's powers yeah. and what is what is moral. And uh, ethical. Just go read Watchmen. Yeah, you know, uh, I just Doctor Manhattan at that point. Basically, I mean, the ending is fucking hokey, but everything that's come before it is like also insanely hokey. Yeah. So at that point, I didn't mind it. The hoke is fine. It was just the agency being removed. That that's all. I was like, eh, that's a little weird because it's a weird choice. I get it. Like he wants to read live you know the whole thing but like we just see him like descend down like still like achieving dude just achieved godhead that's the first thing he's he does. trying to get god no <laughs> <laughs> oh, no <laughs> oh no oh no godhead achieved if you know what i mean achievement unlocked i mean i think there is something to be said for for the ending thematically from like a, a metaphysical standpoint he decides to reshape the world into a memory that he has that was never actually real to begin with i think that i think that is is an interesting thing that you could deconstruct because he has no true memories like the strangers uh, uh you know assured that everything that any of these people remember is a fabrication but by the time that he defeats them it's all he has so he decides to reshape the world into a false memory and i i think that that is interesting that he maintains the individuality that he has and that he still loves his wife even if maybe she wasn't ever really his wife ah uh, yeah well i i, I mean you know? see that i'm into i'm into the idea of like even though their memories were false their love was real that's cool. And I think that, that goes into the core idea of what the strangers are trying to do, where, you know, changing things shouldn't and change seeing, who you are. As yeah. An individual. And seeing what yeah. stays the same. And I think that's actually kind of poignant in a way. I, uh, that's a really interesting way of approaching that. I didn't really think of it that way uh, at the time. On top of that, you know, like it's like that idea of him creating a vision for the future based on whatever glimpses of the past he can recollect and yeah. that's essentially all he has there is no future without you know looking at the past in that right respect, even if so. the past does not actually exist you mm -hmm. have to still do something and i think the the, the long-term implications are are interesting and maybe kind of scary as well because like he I mean, is quite. he is now he is now the only one in this world who has the power to change things but he is also very human well, so what see, what is what what will the future become that, how will he change the world that's in his the thing image? that's why i think another reason why i was kind of primed to be a little concerned with the ending because right before that he has a conversation with the doctor where it looks like he's going mad with power because he's like floating up in the air being like 
like, I can change anything. And it's like, yeah. it's like, that, I like, control the it's machine that, like, sense now. Of, exactly. Like that sense of like overwhelming power corrupting absolutely and delusions of grandeur becoming reality. Sure. Like by every hallmark, he should shift supervillain at that point. I like, mean, I think, and I think the, 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 the next thing he does is like go over and puppet Jennifer Connelly was weird to me. Like the, I just, uh, yeah. The, the long term implications beyond the story that exists, I think, think have a lot of uh potentially problematic uh aspects well it's definitely problematic because it means the flat earthers are right damn (laughs) but i mean i think i think in just like the simple terms of the narrative like all he's chasing the entire time is two things or three things uh, the sunshine the ocean and love all of which the strangers hate that are cool. that are poisonous to them being sort of like an ideal that like these reaching for i think in the context of the story is is good and wholesome like if we want to get really realistic about it like yeah all of a sudden this human man is god like that that seems like a disaster we fucked up we fucked up but you know it's it's like he's spending the entire movie movie chasing a of a simple idea of utopia amidst the dystopia he's searching for individuality amongst the collective and you know like that's that's fine in the context of the movie it works this it's okay uh one of my only gripes with this movie is uh i can't stand Kiefer sutherland in this movie i think he's really obnoxious he is very oh, over the top interesting i generally cannot stand the man i like i liked him. his performance in this i like or, him as an actor i don't really i don't wow. really like him in this movie yeah we are we are on the exact opposite end of that one i think Interesting. i think it's just because he is the vessel for a lot of the exposition in this movie and his character has this very particular way of speaking where he's like gasping between every couple of words. <laughs> so he talks like this. And when you have to give an entire exposition like this, it gets really tiresome. <laughs> it, I, it is pretty exhausting. It's yeah, it's like, it's just not it's yeah. not a good way to deliver Con- exposition. Contextually, it makes sense, but. Right. Uh, I mean, I think I think the idea of his character, like the only human that the strangers have allowed to like see the machine behind the curtain, behind the curtain, Mm -hmm. uh, because they need him to craft false memories for him because they cannot do it themselves as a being that does not understand individuality. So I think like the idea of his character is very cool. But like the way he delivers it, and I think that comes down to direction rather than like him as an actor. I just think like, man, it like that that way of delivering exposition is exhausting. If you're going to have a character like talking a lot, don't have them talk in a way that's annoying to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't just stop between every couple of words. (laughs) No, no, thank you. (laughs) I liked his, his his eyeball makeup oh yeah like uh and his weird haircut his, his, his broccoli weird, hair was great his weird his weird nazi broccoli haircut little uh, glasses his little, his little glasses because because like it's like the height of his career around then and he's he's playing 
in all of his other roles, he's playing like, act, I mean, like I would spy, say action, is, hero, 24 whatever. is the height of his career. This is pre-24. Right, but, but like we're leading enough. into the, like he's he's in his prime. Yeah. And uh, to to dress him up with a weird wig and make him like the kind of sniveling mad scientist character is nice. Uh, you know, like yeah. take, take the actor who could have easily easily been the protagonist of this movie and and make him the weird scientist instead i like, like i like I'm, the I'm, character I'm very here for that i like the character and i like the actor i don't necessarily like his direction i think that that's what it comes down to i think that that he's a he's a very fun character and like as a vessel for exposition like we need that in this movie one of the few movies where i will say that like i do need exposition please <laughs> uh this movie and i think he's fine for that uh and i really like the scene where we see like the tuning for the first time and we see this like uh this like poor kind of like white trash family become like affluent uh oh the table uh, yeah like pulling just apart. like the whole just like the whole thing yeah just like them shifting their home from like a, a shitty one bedroom apartment into like a mansion and like Kiefer Sutherland sort of being our lens for that whole thing I thought that was really cool there's some weird ADR in that scene yeah there is some weird ADR in that scene I think I think there's a smidgen of uh, justification only because they've all been made so artificial that, like, stylistically, it, it, it enhances that dollhouse vibe. But also, it it, it bad. It, <laughs> it bad, does. yeah. By the end of it, I was, like, it's just I that was one okay, scene. but... Mm-hmm. It, like, yeah. where there's weird ADR. Well, what it seemed like is that that actress... Could have been a director's cut thing. What it seemed to me in that scene is that that by the end of it, when I saw like the beginning point versus the end point, because when when they're transformed into like the wealthy family and she talks to the husband at the end, it's not ADR. You can tell. Mm -hmm. And I think what it is, is that maybe she was just such a bad actress that she couldn't do different accents or voices or affects. Uh And so to make her sound different, they ADR'd her. Yeah, I could be that. Could be director's cut. I don't yeah. know. It was bad. I buy. Yeah, I'd buy that. That pretty close to covers everything that I want to talk about. Yeah, I think yeah, all the references I think that's in pretty there. Pretty much everything I wanted cool. to say. Yeah. Well, Cleve, this was your pick, so why don't you rate it first? Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so one of, one of like the aspects of like the, the the hero's journey is like right before the ending, the hero like kills the villain, achieves the sort of power or whatever, and then comes back home changed by it. And the movie ends with him getting the sort of power and coming back home and being the same. Like, he has no home to come back to. Yeah, uh, but, well, the home part isn't the thing. It's it, it's the him being changed. And we so he achieves Godhead as a regular man, and then everything's fine. Weird to me, but I, I don't know if I were to remove half a point from this for it. I don't think I will. I think I think I'm going to go ahead because I just I adore literally everything else about this movie. I'm giving it a five. It's it's a delight. It is a very stinky cheese. Um, And I love stinky cheeses. Uh, (laughs) And it's it's very me. It's very fun. It makes uh, like the nebulousness of of our game. It stares back feel like a sitcom pilot. Uh, our plot by by comparison it's it's nutty um this movie uh and maybe, maybe that's just the force for it's a force for the trees thing but <laughs> wow uh i i loved it ben okay uh yeah i thought this was a beautiful mess mm-hmm. uh very convoluted ton of different ideas most of them worked uh you know there were a couple things here or there where it's like a little much i love the style of this movie 
way better than The Matrix. Uh, this should be held in the critical regard and collective memory, speaking of that, <laughs> that The Matrix is held in. Nice. Yeah, I, I think it's really good. I I had a few minor gripes with the, the pacing in the first act, and I had a few minor gripes with some of the effects. Most of them held up, but there were a few that were noticeable. Um, but overall, it's a really great movie, and I would definitely recommend it for any sci-fi fan. I'm going to give it a four. Nice. There's no token paid. <laughs> Sorry, just to, <laughs> sorry. I, I, that's that's what I was trying to say. Like, there's no cost. He doesn't like lose anything other than like, anyway. All right, sorry. All he loses the world that he knows. That's true. Like, yeah, that, I mean, he loses price. he loses everything that he knows. Yeah. I think so. Uh, he, he loses it first and then gains the power. That's fine. I mean, yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed this movie as well. Uh, I could not agree with you more, Ben. I think that culturally this this movie has a lot more impact than The Matrix does, and I think The Matrix stole a lot of what makes this movie good, and I wish that the roles were reversed, and I wish that more people talked about Dark City the way that they do The Matrix. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. The CG is fucking terrible, <laughs> uh, but the matte paintings the and the, the miniatures and the makeup and everything, fantastic. The style, incredible. Everything that I loved. It's just a gorgeous, fucking convoluted hodgepodge of ideas, some of which are dumb, but some of which are actually really effective. effective. Yeah. Uh, in, Poignant? In many, many ways. Uh, this is a really weird movie, but I enjoyed the shit out of it. I'm going to give it a strong four as well uh, to mirror you, Ben. So that'll be an average of 4.3 out of five for Dark City. That was a fucking fun movie. It's, I, yeah, I, I think I it was really everything I wanted it to surprise. be. I really enjoyed mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. about that viewing experience. That I really, really had great. no idea what to expect going Me in. Me either. And I was very pleasantly surprised. Way Me more either. rich than Guyver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fun for different reasons, but yeah, like you have been on a roll of picking like very weird... I'm fucking out there. Weird, fun films for us to watch, so I can't complain... Uh, speaking of what, what's next week? Uh, yeah, what so, week? you know, this quarantine has really made me feel some type of way. I don't know about you guys. I'm feeling some type of way, but I'm almost getting cabin fever. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> That's yes. right. We're covering cabin fever next week. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. Um, fuck yes. Fuck so yes. So I will make some pancakes for everyone and we'll have a little sit down and watch classic. I classic am film. so excited. I'm going in with no knowledge. You've never seen cabin fever. Oh, my God. OK, don't read anything. Don't usual yeah. fair. You know me. Yep. I, I will say all I'll say about uh, my initial thoughts on Cabin Fever before we talk about it is I think that it is first of all I think it's Eli Roth's best film, and oh, it's Eli Roth. I also think I also think that it is along with Cabin in the Woods one of my favorite 
if not my favorite uh, horror satire films of all time. Uh, and it wow. is hella timely right now. And it's hella timely because we are all probably, uh, and you listeners at home are probably developing cabin fever as well, and God only knows where we'll all be uh, next week when we do this episode. So come back and lose your mind with us. Speaking of losing our minds, I need to get paid cleveland who is sponsoring the episode this week uh unofficially this episode is sponsored by uh corona the beer i feel really bad for them guys like i don't know they didn't do anything wrong and that was their name and uh i don't know that sucks you know, it's it's gotta be suck to be a to be a beer company that just happens to have the same name as the the horrible virus that is sweeping the planet. Uh, bummer, you know, like uh, all the shots of uh, desolate shelves uh, that have just been uh, consumed by the the raw frightened masses, except for the Corona bottles like it's so weird like that like as, as panicking as everyone is i would i would think that there would be more ironic purchases are you uh i know you, i know you, you said you feel sorry for them we're, we're still getting paid though right um yeah they're still paying us for this right uh corona the sponsor shelf is glowing uh, an odd color i'd i'd call it puce but there are more stripes in it uh and it tells me that there is a different sponsor this oh, week. Oh, double sponsor. The sponsor. The sponsor. The sponsor is the big the big. The big. <laughs> wow. The sponsor is the big sitting thing inside of your cortex oh. that vibrates suddenly in the middle of the night waking you wow. but you do not remember why you have woken <laughs> thus speaketh the sponsor shelf call me Mr. Shelf because that was a great sponsor oh, uh, guys uh, do we have a sponsor this week? No. Uh, wasn't it Corona? Uh, I, I think it was, yeah. All right, cool. All right. Just yeah. double checking. Just uh, double checking. If you have to break quarantine to go out for booze, because we all got to stay boozed up in this trying time, it's hard to be home alone, sober. Uh, so, you know what? Go out and support your local cerveza and pick up some Corona. But careful getting too drunk, because you need that immune system. Mm-hmm. Don't corona. drink if you're sick either. Corona <laughs> will do make your immune system stronger. If you're sick, drink more. <laughs> this episode is not brought to you by any uh, medical health association. This episode is brought to you by irresponsible drinking. Get out there. And, don't, uh, get don't, out get there. Out there. don't get out there. Don't get out there. Get in there. And not even ironically. Get in there and do it. Irresponsible drinking. The more you know, you the less you know. You have the power. <laughs> and I know we were joking about having having cabin fever, but uh, boys, <laughs> boys, boys. 
Uh, speaking of boys, you can find us boys uh, on being boys. Uh, being boys. Uh, you wherever you're listening to this, if you can, we're boys, if we're we're the boys, and we're here listening, or you're listening to us. So wherever you're listening to this, maybe go, in Boise. Yeah, there maybe is somebody who yeah. listening to this in Boise. It's possible in the dark city. Our, if you're our one listener in Boise, or if you're not our one listener in Boise, or maybe all of our listeners are in Boise. God damn it, Cleveland! I'm trying to get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> Smash those five stars and leave a nice review. It's li- almost like we're interacting with you in person and breaking quarantine. And we can we all... will give you Godhead. We yes, <laughs> we will provide and grant unto you the best Godhead, <laughs> the sloppiest Godhead. No. <laughs> oh no. If it but. Only if you leave a five-star rating and a nice review. Otherwise, you can get the god... The Mr. Teeth. Dead. Dead. <laughs> That's god is gonna, dead. Yeah, you'll get Mr. Teeth. 2020, God you'll, is dead. <laughs> you'll get Mr. Teeth instead of Godhead. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod uh, and on Letterboxd.com slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all the films you've talked about on the show. With our average ratings and links to those episodes, you can find me on Twitter at Deep State Ozzy. I'm quarantine posting. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm rarely tweeting for LightArc Studio as we hunker down and continue to work up the next chapter of It Stares Back. It, it it's I swear to God, it's coming. <laughs> We're working on it. Oh yeah, one step at a time. And in these uncertain times, all we have is each other. But practice social distancing Please. and have each other from a distance. Yeah, we'll don't, <laughs> don't go to big events, you yeah, morons. We'll be here. Stay home and stay cozy with us, and we will continue to spit softly into your ears. The only cabin fever you need is the episode next week. That's right. And and the, the musical number from Muppet Treasure Island. Cabin D's nuts. Good night, everybody. <laughs> 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 <laughs>